Hi, everyone. I'm Becky. And this is Claire. And welcome to another episode of Podway. Woo! So in this podcast, we discuss things related to musical theaters and plays. And in today's episode, we will be talking about Into the Woods. Okay. Or into, yeah, Into the Woods. Into the Woods, You're right, <laughs> yes. <laughs> I was just about to say, but now I'm second-guessing myself, what? that as opposed to the last podcast, this podcast will be very cool, calm, and collected. But maybe <laughs> I was thinking that too soon and I jinxed it for us. So I guess we'll find oh, out. man. We'll see, we'll see. Stay tuned. Stay tuned. Um, so this is going to be our third I believe it's our third um, Sondheim musical. So a little bit more about Into the Woods. Um, It's a musical combining several fairy tales, particularly Cinderella, Jack and the Beanstalk, and Little Red Riding Hood through the story of a baker and his wife who try to retrieve magical items to lift a curse a witch has placed on them. And the curse specifically is to um, make the baker's family tree be a barren one. So he won't have any children. Um, In terms of a little bit more about the musical itself, it premiered in 1986 in Chicago and it moved to Broadway in 1987. Into the Woods, as I mentioned, is our third Sondheim musical and it is actually usually considered his masterpiece depending on if you're talking to a Sweeney Todd fan or not um but we did also cover Sunday in the Park with George technically I guess it's our fourth because West Side Story technically Sondheim worked on that but it wasn't his music so yeah uh we'll call it our third Sondheim and in terms of the musical itself it had several productions both within the U.S. and U.K. and also internationally It had significant commercial success, and it won three Tony Awards for Best Score, Best Book, and Best Lead Actress. And in that year, it was running against Phantom. So every single Tony Award it won, I think uh, it won fair and square for sure. It had to fight for it. So I believe it was, I didn't write that down anywhere, but from memory, I think it was nominated for 11 Tonys. So it was nominated for a fair few of them. Mm-hmm. And for those of you in the know, we are not really, but we'll say it anyway. It also had a live action Disney movie uh, released in 2014, I believe. And I haven't watched it. I highly doubt you watched it, Claire. I watched it. You did? Okay, are I'm you so proud? curious. <laughs> I'm, I'm shocked and amazed. I'm so excited that you've watched it. <laughs> yeah, I decided to give it a try anyways. Okay, we're going to rely heavily on your expertise here. <laughs> okay. Okay. Are you happy to be relied upon? <laughs> <laughs> I feel the pressure now. Okay, as you should. So clearly, as the Into the Woods expert here, what is your experience with the musical? Uh, well, I actually didn't watch anything prior to this. I've seen a lot of things about this being a fairy tale related musical and all, but I didn't watch anything I think I might have seen clips from the movie but I didn't really get into it because of the first song which is so freaking long and you know how I'm not a big fan of super long first number so Mm -hmm. it didn't really draw me in but I finally finally watched the whole thing this time you didn't hear any of the songs specifically before but you think you may have heard clips from the movie or um, you've been you've seen stuff from the fairy tales it's associated with is that right mm-hmm. exactly okay. are you familiar like 
very familiar with all the fairy tales it's from because I know that we discussed this in the past and there are some fairy tales western fairy tales you're more familiar with than others and I feel like they have some uh, that are a little bit more obscure like Jack and and the Beanstalk were you familiar with all of them yeah okay perfect yeah I love Um, fairy tales you do okay I didn't know that about you (laughs) (laughs) I read a lot of books when I was younger so that's how I came to know a lot about them yeah Okay, that's so interesting that you say that, because I recall an experience at work that I had. So I was at the office and I was reading my book because it was lunchtime Um, and I was just eating my fruits and enjoying my book. Um, I've been reading So You've Been Publicly Shamed on the Internet, um, which is a very good, interesting nonfiction book for those of you who struggle with nonfictions, uh, recommend. But um, and then this intern comes in and he introduces himself and he asks me how old I am. And I tell him I'm 26. And then he says, oh, no way. I thought you were way younger. I thought you were my age. He was 20. And then I realized you're reading a book and no young person reads a book. So I figured you couldn't be my age. Oh, my God. Yeah. So first of all, I felt very old. <laughs> And then second of all, I used to read a lot more books when I was younger. Like I used to go through a book a day or a book two days if I was feeling slow. Like, I don't know what is that myth where young people don't read. Young people have the most amount of time to read. So Mm. I'm glad that you said. I guess like we're moving towards a generation when books is not the primary way of spending time anymore since you have no I really think that's that's not accurate I feel like everybody has their own like way of spending time but if you consider it like the generation before ours like our parents generation like they grew up with tvs so people probably said about them oh they grew up in a generation where books weren't as much of a thing because they had television the generation after us has like their phones as well so and each generation also reads books so I really don't think that's the case. I think it's probably just not that common. Maybe, maybe. Yeah. But I'm so glad that you said that you used to read a lot of books as well as a kid. Anyway, I went off on a tangent. I felt really old <laughs> after that. So and a little bit um, miffed because as a young person, I used to read more. Mm-hmm. But yes, my experience with Into the Woods. Sorry, no, your experience with fairy tales. Did you have a favorite fairy tale? I don't really have one, to be honest. Yeah, do you have one, if you ask the question? I mean, mine are very linked with anything Disney. So usually my favorite Disney princess that was from a fairy tale would be my favorite fairy tale as well. So that would be Snow White. Yeah, but I used to really like a lot of the Brothers Grimm's fairy tales. And it was very, very heartbreaking when inevitably people your age would say with glee that any fairy tale that you can think of from Brothers Grimm was actually a lot more morbid and gruesome than the Disney representation. That used to bother me. Mm-hmm. <laughs> they really depict that here. Like, I think the most famous one is actually how Cinderella ended up in the real fairy tale compared to the Disney depiction, which is something they definitely touch upon here, mm-hmm. which we'll see. So yeah. In terms of Into the Woods, I was familiar with that for a pretty long time just as a musical. So I think I talked about it in the past, but my family and I watch um, Gilmore Girls and we watched it several times. And one of the characters 
minor character, uh, I believe his name is Brad. He goes from the high school that the main char- one of the main characters, Rory, goes to um, to Broadway, and he plays Jack in Into the Woods. And funnily enough, the actor actually does play Jack, not in the version we watched, but in a different revival in Into the Woods. So that's why they came up with that storyline for him. So I knew it from there. <laughs> and I also knew some of the song because one of the characters, for those of you who watch Gilmore Girls, um, Paris, she uh, taunts him with it by singing some, one of the songs to make fun of him. So I did. I was familiar with Into the Woods from a pretty young age. Apart from that, I listened to There Are Giants in the Sky before. Spoiler alert, it's also my favorite song in here. And I watched a lot of YouTube videos about Into the Woods, analyzing like the musical. So yeah, until this episode, I haven't listened to it thoroughly. Yeah, and I never watched the movie either. I knew it came out. I had a hunch that it wouldn't be super good because I heard people complain about it. I know they had James Corden and Anna Kendrick, who, um, if we watched a movie of the previous episode, the last five years, would have encountered her there as well. It does have, tragically, Meryl Streep, whom I would have loved to see. So you can tell me how good she was, I suppose. But yeah. Honestly, I feel like they are very different the yeah. movie and the production Not so surprised. like the actual show so yeah just bear that in mind yeah I think if we t- when we talked about like Into the Woods because you said oh we can actually talk about that but I'll spoil it to everybody you said you really wanted to do Into the Woods mm-hmm. so uh, I did warn you that there is a Disney movie and that I'm curious to see how the Disney movie would work because I would assume that it's pretty different because I know Into the Woods is not necessarily very Disney friendly. So I'm not surprised that you said that, but I am really intrigued to see why you especially chose Into the Woods. What made you want to do this episode so much? Oh, I just really like fairy tales and I've seen it a lot, but I never watched it. So I thought it would be a good time to finally get it done. Speaking of fairy tales, did it give you any deja vu for any previous musicals we covered? Are you asking that with an intention of something have in mind already? Yes. Okay, <laughs> you can go ahead because I don't. No, um, no, I thought it was very similar. And obviously, it's the musical that we previously covered that will obviously take inspiration from this, um, not the other way around, to Ghost Quartet with the four magical items that had to be retrieved and them repeating um, the magical items that would have to uh, be retrieved in song form, for example. Um, and it would be said by some kind of sorcerer, even though the bear didn't end up being a sorcerer. After all, he was like parading as one. And also some other elements, like the main plot of Quos Quartet is literally called the fairy tale plot for a reason this is all about fairy tales as well the thing that what her what was her name rose red wanted to um do to her sister was to turn her into a crow and then peck out the eyes of her lover and eat them which is something that they were this is something that comes up again and again into the woods so there are a lot of similarities between the two of them and i'm sure that a lot of inspirations were taken from into the woods while making ghost quartet Interesting that you say that because I totally did not see the, <laughs> the the parallel there. I think you I think the magical mainly... mm-hmm. no, I think the magical element is so common, like having to retrieve some sort of magical 
object. It's like so common in a lot of the fictional stories. Yeah, so I didn't even really think of the parallel that way, to be honest.、Mm. There are reasons. So you're right. Obviously, there are a lot of pretty much a huge chunk of fantasy and a huge chunk of mythology and fairy tales rest upon just retrieving items. We we're talking about Doctor Strange before, so a MacGuffin.、Um, that's pretty much what it's for.、Um, but there, the way that the items are presented, give me huge amount of parallelism between the two of them. So. The way that the song is constructed from the two of them when the items are being presented, the way that the melody goes, it really echoes each other. In my opinion, I could be completely wrong. It could be overreading into this, but I notice a lot of parallels between the two of them. So、mm-hmm. I do think that、um, inspirations were taken. Okay. In in a good way, like I, I think you're influenced by anything that you consume, especially if there is something that you admire or something that you're. Um, end up really liking. Obviously, you'd like to have some kind of glimmer in that in whatever、mm-hmm. it is you create, and that's that's beautiful in my opinion. But yeah. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Okay. So we talked a lot about the musical so far. Should we go into it? It's pretty long, by the way. It's like two and a half hours. It is long. Okay. So、um, strap in, everybody. The musical opens with the narrator telling the story of four fairy tale characters. So we discussed them a little bit already, but they are Cinderella, Jack from Jack and the Beanstalk, and a childless baker and his wife. So they all have wishes. Cinderella wishes to go to the festival, but her stepmom and stepsisters prevent her from going due to her disheveled appearance. And for those of you who are familiar with Cinderella, we already covered her before. Like she comes up in so many musicals. Like we have this one. We have、uh, Cinderella by Oscar and Hammerstein, and we have the recent Cinderella with Camille Cabello and Cinderella from Andrew Lloyd Webber. So, a tons of Cinderella stories. To the other characters, Jack wishes for his cow, Milky White, to give some milk, while the baker and his wife wish for a child. So. Again, to taunt her with the hopes of going to the ball, Cinderella's stepmother empties a bowl of lentils—sorry, a bowl, a bowl of lentils—into the ashes of the fireplace. And if Cinderella picks all of them up in two hours, she can come. So Cinderella calls upon her friends, the birds, to help her out with this task. Um, however, even though she completes the task successfully, her stepmother doesn't let her join. So she decides to visit her mother's grave in the woods to ask for advice and tell her her wish. So, meanwhile, Jack and his mother are very, very poor.、Um, Jack has a single mother, so no father in the picture. And in order to generate some income, his mother makes Jack sell Milky White at the market. And as I mentioned, Milky White is his cow. So Jack is devastated as he thinks of Milky White as his best friend, but does as she asks and goes into the woods to try to sell the cow. At the bakery, a customer enters asking for buns and sweets for her grandmother.、Um, so this little customer is Little Red Riding Hood, and she is making the trip into the woods to give her grandmother the treats. I was Little Red Riding Hood for two Halloweens. So I have a special connection to Little Red Riding Hood.、Um, she was my most go-to costume. <laughs> I mean, 
it is very easy costume <laughs> it is a very but it, it was cute it was cute and it it's really cute. really nice because you can have like the sweets in the basket um whenever you collect them and I have pictures of me literally going to my grandmother's house with my brother who dressed up as the wolf oh yeah (laughs) what's your sister Emma then uh she was like one or she wasn't even born yet because we have oh okay yeah but if she if she was one then she was a little a chick. Okay. No, a little chick. Like, not related to anything. Oh. Um, but okay, she was very, very cute. Oh, that does sound lovely. And yes. I'm sure nobody is interested, but usually if I have to dress up for Halloween, I'll totally go for Kiki's delivery. <gasps> oh my God. So cute. So easy. That is true. That is true. <laughs> but I still cannot picture you with a dress, to be fair. And she doesn't. Really? Yeah. I wear dresses. I don't think I've seen you wear a dress once. Oh, you just, <laughs> we probably just don't hang out that much. But to be fair, we actually do see each other quite often. We do. All my friends. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, yeah, definitely. So I don't know. More, more don't in know. summer. More in summer. We have to yeah, do that. Exactly. Oh my God. And I can imagine with a little bow. I love little bows. Um, and a broom. Do you have a, a little cat that you bring? No. Oh. And I don't bring the broom. You don't bring a bro- I just go to delivery. <laughs> so <it's just> <laughs> yeah. Okay. Mm-hmm. I see the level of detail here. <laughs> thank you. Thank you. I remember dressing up as Pippi Longstocking once for Ooh. those of you. Do you know who she is? I think I do, but I have so to Google it. She's like the girl with the two braids who are like in 90 degree angle. She's like a redhead and she's super duper strong. Mm-hmm. she has a pet monkey and I remember like finding a tiny little pet monkey to bring with me around I and... admire the commitment oh it's it's all my mom oh. <laughs> it's not me <laughs> so my mom made the commitment <laughs> <laughs> did you find it in the end the, the monkey oh no, no no my mom came with a little monkey that I carried oh around, so, okay because it was part of the costume so she went the extra mile and I just got to reap the benefits so <laughs> that is the level of commitment I want from you get yourself Halloween the easiest thing in the world is to find a, a black cat like a picture of a black cat or like a statue of a black cat from somewhere no excuse um, <laughs> anyway back to the story so Little Red Riding Hood and she is going to her grandmother and she came into the baker's house for some treats. So after she leaves for her journey, a new guest enters the bakery and that guest is the witch. So she has heard that the baker and his wife wish for a child and come to rely a bit rely relay a bit of family history on them so she reveals that when the baker's mom was pregnant she was craving greens the child must be very healthy to -hmm. satisfy her cravings the baker's father raided the witch's garden for all sorts of green vegetables and she has a very lovely wrap there that i'm sure you really enjoyed claire The witch caught him in the act and she agreed to let him go very kindheartedly back to his wife safely in exchange for their child once they are born, which I think is totally reasonable. And the baker's father agrees and goes on his merry way. Unfortunately, it's not the end because after he leaves, the witch notices that with him, he took her beans. And we have a little bit more background there. The witch's mother put a curse on the beans that if they were to go missing, she would lose her beauty. 
So in retaliation, not only did the witch take the child, which was a baby girl. And for those of you who didn't catch on, um, that was Rapunzel once she was born. Um, But she also put a curse on the family that they would be unable to produce children. So in exchange for lifting the curse, the witch asks them to go to the woods and retrieve four items. A cow as white as milk, a cape as red as blood, the hair as yellow as corn, and a slipper as pure as gold within three days. So the baker finds six beans from the witch's garden in his father's old coat and is adamant to go to the woods by himself without his wife to find the items. But his wife follows him anyway. So um, going back to another character, Cinderella makes it to her mother's grave in the woods and her mother's spirit inside a tree prompts her to make a wish. So Cinderella wishes for gold and silver, which comes out in a form of a ball gown dress that is silvery and shoes that are gold for the festival. Um, And obviously the tree gives her all that kind of stuff. So Jack, meanwhile, is on his way to the market when he encounters a mysterious man. This will be his name, a mysterious man. You'll, You'll hear of him in the future, who advises him that the cow won't fetch more than a sack of beans. So on her journey to grandmother's house, the little red riding hood is stopped by a wolf who is planning on having her and her grandmother for dinner. The wolf hatches a plan to distract little little red long enough from her journey to go to her grandmother's house first and eat her before little red comes. When little red does come, he eats her too. And to distract her from her journey, um, as we mentioned before, the wolf encourages little red to pick some flowers for her grandmother's. Going back to the baker and his wife, this is jumping all over the place. So for those of you who are not familiar with the plot, this might be a little bit more difficult to comprehend. (laughs) Mm -hmm. But I think these are uh, common life fairy tales that hopefully it's fine. But the baker and his wife run into Jack before he reaches the market and convince him to sell the milky white for five beans. So they do so by lying that the beans are magical. The baker asks his wife to return home with Milky White while he fetches them other the other items. So soon enough, he runs into Little Red and steals the cape from her, but quickly returns it to her when she starts crying because he doesn't have the heart to leave. Then he has a change of heart after letting Little Red go, rationalizing that he needs the cape more um, because he needs it for his child, and goes after her again. Little Red makes it to her grandmother's house and finds the wolf there, who goes on and eats her up as well. So the baker catches up to Little Red after she's already devoured by the wolf. And to get the cape, (laughs) the baker stabs the wolf in the stomach and frees Little Red and her grandmother. Little Red is super grateful, and to show her appreciation, she gives the baker her hood. When Jack returns home with the beans, his mother is very upset by the exchange and throws them out the window where overnight they grow into an enormous stock. So on her way home, the baker wife runs into Cinderella in her festival outfit. She's running for um, from the prince and the baker wife covers for her. So the two bond over their experiences, and the baker's wife asks Cinderella about her experience with the prince. Cinderella, however, is less than impressed by him. At the same time, Cinderella notices the giant beanstalk. The baker's wife notices Cinderella's slipper, but unfortunately, Milky White runs away before she can get the slipper from Cinderella, so she pursues after the cow instead. 
Um, meanwhile, the witch went to visit Rapunzel, whom she shut in a tower far away. She never cut Rapunzel's hair and uses her long hair to let her in and out of the tower. For those of you who are not familiar with the Rapunzel story, Prince witnesses Rapunzel and the witches and vows to rescue her the next day. Rapunzel Prince runs into Cinderella's Prince and they sing about the agony of being in love with the respective ladies. Um, the baker's wife overhear their talk and their agonizing and goes to Rapunzel's tower to get a hair as yellow as corn, which she does so successfully. Meanwhile, the mysterious man finds the cow and gives it to the baker. And after the baker leaves with the cow, the witch shows up and advises the mysterious man to stay out of this. So obviously the two seem to know each other pretty well. Jack recounts his experiences going up the beanstalk and encountering the giant in the sky. He at first gets along with the lady giant, but is then pursued by her husband. So he steals whatever he can find and goes down the beanstalk to run away. Jack goes back to the baker to purchase Milky Cow back. As we all know, Milky Cow is his best friend. So this is very important to him. Um, But the baker refuses to sell. So Jack goes back to the beanstalk to fetch more money. The baker and his wife run into each other in the woods and discover they have three of the four items for the potion. They bond over their journey and decide to get the last item, a slipper pure as gold, together. So Jack comes back with a hen that lays golden eggs to give the baker in exchange of milky white. Um, As I mentioned before, side note, he's such a precious, precious boy. Like, he would go to heaven and hell for his friend. Isn't that sweet? Yeah. You don't seem to think so. No, no, no. I actually found that it's so interesting because, like, you in the show that he's not a boy, right? Like, he's played by this grown up, and he still showed this commitment. Like, oh, oh my god, so cute! Even though he's a grown up, he looks he looks pretty young. I think he does look his initial, but it's definitely not a boy. Yeah, yeah, he's not like a child, but I think he looks like a teenager. Um, he does which, not look like a teenager he, like, he's an adult but I still think it's cute really I thought he looked like a teenager but that's fair I mean all of them are uh, the actress who plays Lil Red Riding Hood she was 16 mm-hmm. um, when it debuted and I'm guessing she was older in the time of recording so yeah no teenagers on this show which makes sense yeah uh, and obviously no children so unfortunately for Jack and for the baker and his wife Milky White dies, leaving them at two items and only one day to fetch everything because they spent two days already. So the witch finds out that Rapunzel has been meeting the prince and is very, very angry. And she cut Rapunzel's hair so she won't be able to leave and cast her to the desert. When the prince comes back to rescue Rapunzel, the witch was waiting for him at the tower and the prince fell and was blinded by thorns that pierced his eyes. First thing were the eyes. At the same time, Lil Red and Jack come across each other. Lil Red goads Jack to go back to the kingdom of Giant to steal a self-playing harp. Mm -hmm. Cinderella got stuck to the steps of the palace due to the prince putting like tar or pitch or something, I don't know, to prevent her from running away. Um, And in my opinion, that's a red flag. Everything else to come. You should have expected that. But... (laughs) The baker's wife finds her again and asks for her shoe once again, and she gives her the last magical bean in exchange, but Cinderella throws it away. 
Cinderella does give her the shoes when the baker's wife tells her that she needs it to have a child. And when she gives her her own shoes, which I think makes sense, the fair exchange. Um, and then we hear a loud, loud thud and Jack's mother runs to tell us about the dead giant in her backyard. In the evening, the baker and his wife presented all four objects to the witch. Then we encounter a slight issue. So the cow isn't actually white. She's covered in flour to appear white. And the witch just resurrected Milky White instead. So that's good. It's fixed. The witch asks to feed the objects to the cow, which is when we discover issue number two. The hair as yellow as corn is Rapunzel's, but since the witch already touched it before, she can't make the spell work. It has to be something she never touched. And a mysterious man advises them to pull off a hair from an actual corn cob and feed that to the cow, which solves issue number two. So a little fresh piece of gossip for you. The witch drops a bomb that the mysterious man is the baker's father who ran away after the curse was placed. At the same time, the witch drinks from the potion and what happened is the baker's father dies. So that happens simultaneously. I just want to say that in the movie, they cut off the character of baker's father. So there's actually no mysterious man in the forest. And in this case, it was Jack who suggested I use the hair of the corn, which makes sense, I guess, in this particular case. But then it makes a lot of other cases seems a little bit strange sometimes. They should have kept the character in the story because (laughs) towards the end, when he was having a conversation, when the baker is having a conversation with his dad, he just out of nowhere appear and they had this conversation and he was like, okay, ready to go. But because we don't see him before, it was like, who is this dude? You know? <laughs> so that's one thing that I feel like the movie was falling short. Okay. Interesting. Yeah. I'm curious to hear about the comparison between the two of them further. And I'm sure it will be a lot more different in the second act. Yeah, definitely. so the potion it makes the witch beautiful again but she unfortunately loses her powers um and then to end act one jack has milky white again and is very wealthy due to the hen that lays golden eggs the baker and his wife have broken the curse and will have a child now as for cinderella at first her stepsister cut off their toes and heels to fit into the shoe but then cinderella's dead mother whispers to the prince that they're not the right ones until he manages to find cinderella and the two marry at their wedding ceremony, birds um, peck out the sister's eyes and they're blinded. Bird number two. Rapunzel has twins and was wandering through the desert. One day, the prince hears her and she falls into his arms crying and her tears restore his vision and the two marry. So act two opens with the same characters making wishes again. So the baker and his wife have a child um, and wish for more rooms in their house. Jack misses the kingdom in the sky. Cinderella wishes to sponsor a festival. Um, And that being said, they're all pretty much relatively happy. So just minor complaints. So out of nowhere, a giant comes to the land, more specifically a giantess, and ruins the entire kingdom, including the baker and his wife's home, the witch's garden, the reds and her mother's home, 
and Cinderella's mother's grave. So everyone goes into the wood to investigate what happened. The princes run into each other yet again in the woods and bond over their affairs. So Cinderella's prince is pursuing Sleeping Beauty and Rapunzel's prince is pursuing Snow White. The giant has attacked the castle and she demands Jack to be brought to her and avenge her husband's death through his own death. So the group turned upon the narrator and sacrificed him to try to figure out what <laughs> other characters might appease the giantess. And oh, just such a funny moment. Sorry. Yeah. Oh no, I agree. A hundred percent. It was really, it was really hilarious. Funny. I didn't even know that it was possible, but did yeah, that was a great movie. movie? No, no, they did not have a narrator. I see. Makes sense. Yeah. So yeah, after the narrator was sacrificed, Jack's mother talks on Jack's behalf, which upsets the giantess. And the princess steward kills uh, Jack's mom out of fear that the giantess will kill all of them. The witch, the baker and his wife and little red split to find Jack. So the witch wants to give him to the giantess while the baker and his wife want to protect him. In the woods, the baker's wife runs into Cinderella's prince and the two have an affair. So the giant, unfortunately, kills her shortly after the affair that they have. The baker runs into Cinderella at her mother's grave and the two run away to find shelter. The witch finds Jack and brings him to the spot Cinderella, the baker, and Little Red are at. And Jack informs the baker his wife is dead. The group argues over whose fault it is for the situation they're at, and the witch has enough and tells them all the blame should go to her before she disappears. The baker leaves the group and his child behind due to his grief and self-doubt, but is encountered by the spirit of his dead father, who teaches him better, and as a result, the baker returns. The united group now works together to defeat the giant, so Cinderella recruits her birds to help peck out the eyes of the giant to blind her birds number three the birds um were also good friends and told her that her prince is cheating on her so the group all worked together to devise a plan um again and they managed to defeat the giant so while that is happening cinderella is actually staying aside behind to look after the baby where she sees her prince and the two of them break up due to the prince's infidelity so in the end the whole group of the baker his child cinderella jack and little red decide to live together as a family and take care of each other and that's how the story ends yay yay um if it made sense i'm really really happy if it didn't there are a lot of intertwining um plots here <laughs> so i really hope that you guys are familiar with the fairy tale stories because i think it will help a lot mm-hmm. um i'm really curious to see what you would inter intertwining tr- um plots is something that is another similarity to ghost quartet by the way but i'm really curious to see what you thought of the intertwining t- plots because generally speaking you are less attracted to something that is messy so what did you think did you oh I like absolutely it? enjoy it actually I think it probably helped because I have the familiarity with the original source yeah. so it's like oh that's interesting how they tried to type this all together and um because I know the original story be like okay this is how it makes sense or this is how they're trying to explain that so to me because it makes sense that I enjoyed a lot more versus if it's something that I don't really understand then 
I'd probably just be confused. And if I'm okay. confused, I don't think I, I have a high chance of enjoying something. That is so fair. that's probably why. Yeah. And I think being familiar with the fairy tales is absolutely critical, which mm-hmm. is why I think it's clever that he did go for like fairy tales rather than something that is not related to anything like a fruit of his own imagination, because this is a little bit of a complicated story and the base familiarity makes gives you the avenue to explore themes a lot more complexly than if you had to uh, lay everything from ground zero, you know? Mm-hmm. Absolutely. So yeah, I 100% agree with that. Did you have like a favorite character? I would assume that you'd be really interested in the baker and his wife, just because I think they're probably the most complex. Um, I'm okay with the baker. I do enjoy his wife's character, but I think the witch will probably be my favorite, actually. Really? Okay. Yeah. I think because the witch is so cute, she, she has a very funny personality I'll say like whenever she comes up it's just I don't know like maybe if you look at a fairy tale story right witch is always supposed to be scary serious they're powerful and whatnot but then the witch in this story is more approachable in a way because she's not really the villain if anything I mean obviously I have my hesitation when she first appeared but like oh my gosh she's gonna be the one who like fucked everything up but then she she really was not so mm-hmm. I think that makes me find her character much more interesting and that's something that I feel like the movie was really um like it was a really a shame because the movie makes the witch a much more serious character mm-hmm. like she was always very serious And I guess on the note of being funny and being very enjoyable, I feel like overall, part of the reason why I really like Baker's Wife and The Witch is because they're always like, they're more interesting, like make jokes on stage. And Mm -hmm. the whole musical production in general is just very fun to watch. Like there's a lot of facial expression, for example. There's a lot of um, even just physical what was that word? Uh, like comedy? Yes, comedy. physical comedy of like Cinderella falling down, for example. Yeah. <laughs> and there's a lot of elements of that. But then those are mostly missing in the movie. So for example, one line that could be really funny in the production, it doesn't have the same effect in the movie. And one example I can think of is, you know, how when the baker got his red cape and he ran into his wife, be like, oh, I got the cape and a cow. And then his wife go like, you got a cape. And it was like a funny moment <laughs> for the audience. But in the movie, it doesn't feel like that. It, it yeah. wasn't like a funny moment of anything. So there wasn't much of a comedy going on in the movie. And I think it largely comes from because that there wasn't, there's just something lacking there mm-hmm. probably because it was filmed I don't know but uh it's not as easy to watch it's not as approachable in mm-hmm. a way and I think the characters that suffered the most was definitely the witch yeah I 100% agree with that and especially for the baker's wife I think she gets the majority of the comedy notes even in her singing like when she has a really cute line when she says like when the end is right it justifies the beans and she makes mm-hmm. a pun yeah. and she has like such a cute facial expression as she goes with her finger high up um I thought it was a really nice moment for the witch because the first act she's on prosthetic 
it's mm-hmm. very difficult for her to show her facial expression, which is a little bit of a shame because Bernadette Peters, um, she is such a fantastic actress, especially for something endearing mm-hmm. um, like her role in here, which has similarity to her role as Dot in um, Sunday the Park with George as well. And it really gives her the ability to do that. What she really, really shines through is her choices in acting out the lyrics. So especially in The Witch's Rap, in the first song yeah. she has a lot of uh decisions where she's making it i don't know if you listened to the cast recording i did okay perfect she has a lot of uh little like accents for the way that she says certain words within the rap um that give it make it a lot more endearing to listen to and make her sound a little bit petty and petulant and um much more real as a person and also gives it more comedy so I found that that really, really worked for her and that was necessary um, to showcase like Bernadette's Peters um, talent. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So totally agree with you on that. The entire cast I found was really stellar. Like they all did their job very well, mm-hmm. um, including the younger actors who seemed, um, you know, being young, you would assume they're a little bit less experienced, but they completely conveyed being the ages they were at for me at least like I know you said oh you know Jack looks like an adult to you to me he looks like a teenager he sounds like um a little bit dim-witted teenager and little red she definitely gives me like uh, a strong-headed child for one performance that I thought was really really well done was the actor who plays both Prince Charming and the wolf it was double casted his rendition of the wolf was terrifying to me like it was really really scary and you would see like the predatory way that he is singing and the predatory like action on stage um but just by the song alone I thought it was really really intimidating and it conveyed what needed to be conveyed mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah I agree I was really shocked by his costume though yeah like it was so explicit oh my goodness yeah yeah (laughs) so obviously that's the elephant in the room that I talked about before in the video analysis I need to find out the name of the youtuber he had a number of other um really really good analyses about different musicals and a really good one about House MD I don't know if you watched that show but yeah so he talked about how um, Little Red Riding Hood is an allegory to sexual assault. Um, I have read that theory somewhere before too. Yeah, so I, I think, think it makes sense. Yeah, I mean, it especially makes sense considering the wolf's co- costume. They also incorporate her cape into it, but yeah, that is. I think that is something that is supposed to be text rather than subtext, and they're trying to make sure that it is by giving him this specific costume. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And that totally makes sense. Nice. So by the way, the YouTuber's name is David J. Bradley. He has a lot of fantastic videos and quite a few of them on Sondheim musicals specifically. So definitely check them out. But um, yeah, I think the wolf definitely has an interesting costume. But if you focus on his song only, a lot of the notes there were very, very intimidating. And the duplicity within the wolf was also something that was really interesting because it's something that you would have to like extrapolate on your own because it's not there's no clear division where he's expressing his own internal thoughts compared to what he's communicating to her so yeah but a lot of these fairy tales will also even in the watered down version the disney version they would have 
explicit morals to them. So even in the watered down version of Little Red Riding Hood, there is the moral of don't trust strangers, you know? Mm-hmm. They're just less gory. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> they're trying, they're not trying to like beat the fear into you f- to remember the the moral of the story, you know? Right, right, right. Um, Do you have a favorite character? I don't think you got, we got to you yet. Uh, I would say I'm also a big fan of the witch and the baker's wife. I yes. also really like the baker mm-hmm. and Jack. <laughs> so every- of them. Yeah. Well, not everybody. Um, Almost did- everyone. Yeah, I did enjoy all the characters just because the performance was so strong and they all had such good moments, even if though like a lot of them were just utter complete douchebags like the princes. Like I still enjoyed seeing them on stage because they're so funny. Um so he made such a good job, both of them. It's a it's the duo of Stephen Sondheim and James Lapine, whom we covered in previous musicals as well. But um they did such a strong job in making even the least likable people fun to watch which I really appreciate like I didn't have a moment in the two hour two and a half hour musical where it was like a drag to go through because Mm -hmm. oh my god I have to see this character again this character has nothing to offer there was never a moment for me like this Mm -hmm. um the character I just love Bernadette Peters so I really enjoyed the witch and I really enjoyed the way she was acting. It's such like a cute childish pettiness and glee that she has yeah. her that I value um, and I relate to. So <laughs> that was great. Even for the witches rap. So first time hearing it, maybe we can talk about the, this can connect to the opening um, song as well, because you communicated that at first it wasn't really your jam. But the first time I heard the witches rap within the opening song, I was like, oh no, you made her rap. Why would you do that? Mm-hmm. But then it became like one of my favorite part of the opening uh, <laughs> of the opening song. I just like grew to love it. I was like singing along with like all the vegetables she could name. I was like, yeah, yeah, that's, that's, that rocks. That's a jam. Like, (laughs) I can totally picture in my head how you sing along with the vegetables. (laughs) I don't know why, but yeah, I can totally see that happening. I would still say that her rap is still not my thing. (laughs) I'm not surprised. But... (laughs) But but she is funny, and I'll give you that. Um, so you warmed up to the opening song, that's right. No, by the end of it, you didn't. Yeah. Okay, no. Um, a- apart from the giants and the sky, the opening song is my favorite. So oh, okay, I am not surprised to one extent because it is messy. It's twelve minutes long, so it is long. Mm-hmm. Um. And you don't tend to like that. But you also really like the opening song where everything is introduced in like the first song. And then you get to like work from there, which I think sometimes is pretty well known for as well. Mm-hmm. So I was like, there could be a chance, albeit a small one, that it might go through with her. I guess that's a no. Is it just the messiness that didn't work out for you? I think just too long. I actually okay. like the main melody of it, but there's mm-hmm. a too many components where they're either talking or there will be like another component um, that is totally separate from the main melody so in total I wouldn't be able to enjoy as a full song but if you're talking about just the song I like it and I how I like also how it echoes the beginning of second act as well and the idea of the forest the woods I think that's a great metaphor and everything so 
I still enjoy it to that extent, but it's just not the fact that I have to sit through the entire, I don't know, 10, 15 minutes just to get by the first song. I wouldn't say 15 minutes. But okay, <laughs> yeah. sure. Um, is there a favorite section? For, because it is divided into so many sections, do you have a favorite from the opening? I think it's the very last part, actually. When everyone sings their intention of going to the woods, mm-hmm. I think that's really well done because, like I said, I like how we are able to see why and how everything is happening. Mm-hmm. So for me, it's a good summary of everyone's motivation and intention of going to the woods. Um, and it ties everything together perfectly for me. Mm-hmm. Okay, that's fair enough. What was your favorite? Oh, song? Mm-hmm. It's Agony. <laughs> okay. Okay. I absolutely love that song. It's so funny. Okay. The first sort of si- the reprise. I love both, but I think I have a tendency towards the second one, like the, the reprise one. I'm not surprised. I'm so, so sad that, first of all, they did not include a reprise in the movie. And second of all, they make Rapunzel's prince not an asshole. Oh. So, you know how... Technically, they're both jerks in the, yeah. in the show. But then in the movie, Rapunzel's prince is just this normal, innocent dude. And she also yeah. wasn't killed in the show. Uh, sorry, in the movie. So in the end, we don't really know what happened to her. She just ride away with the prince and that's it. Who yeah. Who plays her prince? Who plays her prince? That's a great question. I, I know Chris have to Pine. Google it. I know Chris Pine is one of the princes. I don't know which one. Yeah, I have to Google that. But I was really disappointed because the fact that they're so shallow and they're just so much of a jerk and they acknowledge it too. They're like, oh, I'm raised to be charming, but not sincere. I feel like that was one of the greatest lines in the entire show. I really like it. Yeah. And I think their relationship with both Cinderella and Rapunzel was very interesting as well because technically it's not a villain song they're not really villains they're not bad people but at the same time they're very humane they're not the ideal perfect prince that is going to save the princess from all the trouble you know so it's not Mm -hmm. like the perfect story fairy tale that you would expect and I think that's why I like them because they make the part where they're so much of an asshole sound so humane sometimes even relatable in some ways. Um, and the fact that the whole song was very dramatic is also the part of the reason I like it. Mm-hmm. They also made this super dramatic in the, in the movie as well. So that's something that I'll give them the credits for. They actually sing the song in a river, if you can imagine that. And <laughs> and if one, I remember this thing so vividly. So one prince like was like tearing his shirt off as as he sings like the <laughs> agony part and the other prince sees him he's like oh i'm gonna take off my shirt too so he also tears his shirt <laughs> away oh that was hilarious but it was really funny i really enjoyed their harmonization in agony especially in the reprise i thought mm-hmm. it was really really well done i really enjoyed their voices in general like i don't know if you know this but uh, prince charming so cinderella's prince he is married to the actress who plays cinderella in here um, so I'm glad that they have a happier ending than their musical counterparts, but I thought mm-hmm. it was so cute. But um, I just love everybody's voices and their voice literally just sound like the classical Prince Charming out of a fairy tale, which really helped everything. Yeah. Um, it also helped humanize them, in my opinion. Yeah, 
yeah, I can really <laughs> understand uh, Prince Charming, I think, especially the last conversation he has with Cinderella. Mm-hmm. Um, I think it was like a good indication of this is who I am, this is what I want, and this is different from what you want. And they're able to just wish each other the best and farewell. And I think that's nice. (laughs) And even in the show, when Rapunzel dies, you can see that for Rapunzel's prince, I can't remember his name, but he also shows a moment of grief. So it's not like they're entirely heartless, you know? Mm -hmm. And then there is still, especially when Prince Charming says that, I I still love you, but part of me is just seeking something else. Mm -hmm. And I think that's very realistic. So the person who plays Rapunzel's prince, I can't pronounce his last name, but Billy Magnuson. Magnuson? Okay. Never heard yeah. of him. Um, but maybe I, I watched something he was in. But I was wondering if he's like a bigger star like Chris Pine or whatnot. If I you guys so. who are listening to this think he's a big star and I offended you, I'm sorry. <laughs> I have no sorry. idea who he is. I actually watch his movie, <clears throat> um, King Knight, but he's not the main cast there. Oh, I don't. I never heard of that movie. Either. Oh, really? It's a funny movie. Yeah. <laughs> oh, okay. I'm really curious if there is a song you didn't like since you mentioned this. Oh, not thing that comes to my mind right now. And I guess that means I don't hate any of the songs. Yeah. Um, there was something I wanted to say. It went into my head and then it ate about <laughs> Oh, yes. I lied before. Or I didn't lie, but I didn't tell the whole truth. Uh, not on purpose. But <laughs> okay. I am familiar with another song from here from before watching this oh, okay. which is no one is alone which is the song yeah. that I lost okay um because it wasn't glee <laughs> and <laughs> why I, am i not had, surprised yeah if i had to pick this would be my least favorite song i don't think it's bad i just it didn't vibe that well with me mm-hmm. yeah mm-hmm. but i don't skip this one um this is just the one i enjoy the least yeah, I think No One's Alone is a good song in terms of the message it's trying to communicate, but yeah. but it's just not that memorable. It doesn't fit. I think like, yeah, it's good to have this kind of message in general, but I don't think it f- fits with the tone of the musical. Mm-hmm. This was also added after. I don't think it existed from, from memory. I don't think it existed in the original Broadway run, and this is something they had to add, I think, in the UK run. But I'm relatively certain that it wasn't there in the very, very first one. I mean, it's a nice song and I could see myself really liking it in another context, but with a more lighthearted tone, which throughout the entire musical harps on family as a theme, like family is is probably the biggest theme in this musical in general. So I don't think you needed such an on the nose number. Yeah. Um, so that would be like my only criticism for a specific song in the musical, I'd say. I agree with you. There are some moments in a song that are less good than others. But I think overall, the songs are very strong. Um, I'm really, really curious to hear the comparison between The Witch that we've seen in the musical and Meryl Streep. So like I said, the movie is a lot more serious. Mm-hmm. And I think it shows in the singing as well. So a lot of the songs where there should be something that is lighter, for example, um, or something that's more funny, it just wasn't there. So are are you talking about vocal ability or just in general how the song is? Okay. 
vocal abilities included why not but I, I it's really not fair I yeah it's really not fair to compare the vocal abilities exactly so I'm not gonna say anything to that but yeah I, I think I just enjoyed the bubbliness versus in the more of the serious image that she has because you know how like in the show she sometimes just come up like who cares if the cow is dead like the one minute has already passed like go on go 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 that kind of feeling mm-hmm. but in the movie literally she comes in with a thunder and be like one midnight is gone and it feels like an announcement rather <laughs> than anything but like, okay and I watched the movie with my brother and mm-hmm. he laughs so hard when that scene happens when she comes up and be like one midnight is gone mm-hmm. and he's like wow she's she's just waiting to announce the time like <laughs> <laughs> Like reporting the time and I can see where he's coming from and I think really is a shame um that they're not able to use the same bubbliness as of the witch as um in the in the show because it was really a mess and it's not like Meryl Streep is not capable of that bubbliness we see her act in that kind of um persona over and over again especially in stuff like Mamma Mia so it's not like she's not able to. I think she was probably directed to do it that way because from my understanding, that movie was nominated for like awards and usually award ceremonies like depressing movies. <sighs> so at least from what I've seen of the movie, which is really nothing of an, uh, at all, um, it's shot very, very darkly and menacingly and it involved like people who are generally like more in a darker things like I think Johnny Depp was the wolf in it um yeah. so he's usually associated with like more darker Tim Burton style uh movies and Meryl Streep of course is an award darling so bringing her into the movie is another part and after the success of the Le Mis movie that's probably what they're hoping for and why they're leaning into like a darker tone mm-hmm mm-hmm Again, and all no, that, nothing of the movie. <laughs> <laughs> all that makes sense. I think it just takes away the fact that the part why the witch was so enjoyable to watch. Yeah, um, for sure. Yeah. So sure, they can do whatever they think is the best for the movie in terms of winning the wars and whatnot. But mm-hmm. just from an audience perspective, I would much prefer the witch from the show. <laughs> yeah. 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 A big, two big characters we haven't discussed. We discussed Lil Red a little bit, um, but we haven't discussed Cinderella at all. And I was wondering if there is a reason for that. So I thought she was beautiful in terms of her vocal abilities. Like I really, really enjoyed listening to her voice. A lot of the the parts that she had were really, really well done, um, both like musically and in terms of her vocal abilities and her acting and whatnot. Um, And she did have kind of an interesting story with her wishing to go to Dubai and meet the prince and whatever, but not being very impressed with him. So she had an interesting moment there, but she didn't have a lot of complexities as a person, I think, which is maybe why we haven't discussed her as much. I don't think so, actually. I think the least interesting character here would probably be the the little red riding hood. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. I just brought Cinderella yeah. because we haven't discussed her. And I think she's also one of the least complex characters. I think she is interesting yeah. because you get to see how she's not really 
into all the love, the romance, the prince, and all that stuff. And I think that's the, the complex part of her character is that she's being taught that she's supposed to like these kind of things. And she wants, she likes to go to festivals or parties. But for me, I can see that she's not really enjoying her life as the princess or like she she's told that she should be happy because now she has the life that everyone wants but she's not really happy and when the baker's wife asks her oh so how's the prince she's like not really interested in that she's more interested in the party the fact that she's able to bring herself to the status of being able to go to the festival um, and being just like everyone else I think that mattered more to her than actually meeting somebody or the romance that she might have with the prince. Totally. So, and, but that, yeah. Oh, sorry. sorry, what were you saying? Oh, but that has been like that from the get-go. It's not kind of a development that she had. Like her wish from the beginning was to go to the festival. It's not really involving the prince much. So because of that, I don't see a lot of development. And she, since like the first time they met, she wasn't really interested in the prince. She did it because... I guess it would help her. Like anything would be better than the situation she had at home where she was obviously mistreated and abused. But I don't think the prince was ever her end goal, which is why I don't think there has been a lot of development. And not every character has to have development. I still enjoyed her as a character. I just think that because of that, she has probably a little less of an arc. Okay. So I think what you have in mind in terms of a development is more like, I have a goal. And I see how my goal doesn't make me happy. And that's how I develop um, to realize that that goal is not going to make me happy and realize who I truly am. But then I think in her case, it's more like, I don't really know what's going to make me happy. I just know that I probably, I want to go to the festival because that's what everyone wants. And she moves on into, everyone tells me that I should be happy with a prince. And I guess I'll just go along with that. And then to, okay, this is really not for me and it's time for me to move on. So for me, there's still growth and development there. And it doesn't matter if she has the prince on her wish list from the get-go or not. I agree, it doesn't matter. Um, But I don't think it shows any development because there's not like, it's not like she has a goal that she's interested in. Just because she didn't have anything in the beginning and she tried something and it didn't work, it doesn't show like, a whole lot of development within her personality within character um I think the most development that she may have is not running away in a sense from mm-hmm. the danger but be willing to stay behind to support the community um just because she is a very insulated character throughout the musical all of her actions in act one revolved around her and in act two by the end of it she gets more of a supporting role Mm, where she gets to help other people I think that is the most amount of development she had as a character she doesn't necessarily need to have like a goal and the goal doesn't work out and she learns from that I agree with that but I don't think that by the end of act two she knows what she wants she just knows that this life didn't work out for her and I don't think she stumbled into it because everybody wanted her to I think she wanted to do that to escape the environment she was in so it's something that she was kind of like pressed to go to because she had no other options So if you're pressed to go from situation to situation because you have no other options and it doesn't make sense for you to do anything else, I don't necessarily think it's a choice that you make and therefore not a development. I still think it's a choice that she made because the baker's wife told her, oh, I wouldn't run if it it were me. So I think she still gets 
that, but I agree with you. I think she does it more uh, escape from her environment. And that's what she said towards the end, right? Like my yeah. previous life was a nightmare, but yours is a dream and I need to just get out of this mm-hmm. kind of. So there's definitely that, but I think there is more development for her than what you're giving her credit okay. for. This is fair. I think this is more of an interesting discussion that I hoped for Cinderella anyway. Oh, okay. so for that. Um, just <laughs> okay, because okay. I, I really enjoyed her. I thought she was very like good, nice character. Um, mm-hmm. Loved her songs, loved her costuming. Her costuming was to die for um, mm-hmm. and all that. But I didn't think she was very, she she had a whole lot of depth into her as a character. So I'm glad that we had this discussion about her because um, this is way more than I hoped for. Okay. <laughs> um, as you mentioned, you think Little Red has the least development. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think she's just kind of there, you know. Mm-hmm. And after the the wolf song, uh, we don't really see her being a very key character, anyways. She's really just hanging around. I think the most that she did after she gives the the red cape was literally just daring Jack yeah. um, for the harp, and that's it. Yeah. So I don't see her being very important in terms of the plot and for her character. I don't think that there's a lot of growth as well. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I, I would have to agree with that um, as well. Uh, the last character that I think we haven't discussed, which is interesting because he definitely gets a huge amount of the storyline and the amount of the plot is the baker. Mm-hmm. I, I haven't really developed any kind of feeling for him, to be honest. I don't I'm like him. I don't surprised. hate him. Uh, I think he is very real, like a very humane, realistic person, like a character. But mm-hmm. because of that, I don't really hold any special feelings for him. I have to say that I'm a bit surprised. I would assume that you had more, especially through his familial connections, not only to his own father, um, the mysterious man, so-called, to his relationship to his wife, and also um, to his infant son afterwards. Uh, I would assume that you would have a little more to talk about. But to be fair, I feel like because the baker is so complex and human, it might be very... I don't know. It might be difficult to talk about him because he just seems like he is who he is. And mm-hmm. I understand his background pretty well. So I, it's difficult for me to see what other actions he would go, um, how that reflect on him. He seems kind of like the arch- archetype for like a hero character, a reluctant hero. Mm-hmm. So maybe that, that might be it. He definitely has a lot of growth but yeah definitely and I did enjoy enjoy his performance a lot and also his voice um I don't think I've seen the actor who played him elsewhere much and I'm surprised because I thought it was very good um I thought the height differences between him and his wife was very 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 <laughs> cute uh, very, I really enjoyed cute. that yeah um I googled cute. I googled her height later and she's like 180 um, oh wow so yeah she's very tall yeah yeah, yeah I'll agree that the two of them definitely has the most uh character development throughout the whole play i like the baker's wife when she realized when she has that moments in the woods i think when she realizes that what would make her happy yeah really really (laughs) right before she dies and that moment and and after that the baker has no more so I think that is a nice conclusion of both of their character. Um, So I really appreciate that. But it's just, I think compared to his wife, he just shows a little 
less charm for me.、Mm. So I can't appreciate his storyline. I can appreciate the arc、um, that he has, but、uh, I don't. I don't like him. That's to the point、true. that I, I I will say that he's my favorite character or anything. Yeah, that's for sure. Do you think、um, that the affair was out of left field? Hmm. What do you think? I think it was foreshadowed pretty heavily.、Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, I think so. But、too. I don't think she would end up making that decision necessarily. Like her attraction and her wanting to hook up with a prince or be with a prince was very, very, very heavily foreshadowed. But I think that after the experience that she had with、uh, the baker to go through the journey to get a child and then raise him in the second act, I think it will strengthen the relationship enough for her not to act on her. Desires necessarily,、mm-hmm. so it's not something I have like a um a hill I'm gonna die on or like ride or die for that kind of like lack of cheating. Um,、mm-hmm. I just think that if I had to choose, I would lean towards her not actually making the choice to hook up with a prince in the end, just because I do think that her relationship with her husband is gonna is gonna be strong enough to withstand that. But it was very heavily foreshadowed, and I think it was necessary to have all that foreshadowing because otherwise it would really, really be out of nowhere. Yeah, agree. But I wouldn't cut the affair scene. To be honest,、okay. I think she needs that affair to. Fully realize. I agree that she is having a very strong relationship, especially after that song, which is like it takes two or something. Yeah, you can definitely see that they have a very strong, solid foundation between the two of them. But I think a part of her is always wondering the what if, you know, like a part of her is always thinking about the possibility that oh, I fancy that vision of being.、Um, I don't know, persuaded by a prince, for example, while having、mm-hmm. a fancy life, and this affair is literally like a wake-up call to be like, after that, you still need to fight with your own desire, and you still need to work on yourself.、Um, so the part when she goes like, it's time to get out of the woods or something. I can't really、mm-hmm. remember the exact line. I think is a it, it's a necessary. Development and necessary thing that she has to overcome in order to make that realization make sense.、Mm-hmm. So for me, I wouldn't cut it. I know that it's very debatable. I was literally like, "What the fuck?" When he, in any moments, the prince is like, he sings literally a first line, just one single line. He goes like, "May I kiss you?" And I'm、yeah. like, "The fuck!" <laughs> it totally reminds me of Aladdin from Twisted. Yeah, take off your clothes. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Yeah, and the actor who plays him has such a serious face as well. You say、yeah. it was like the most, as if it's the most normal thing ever to ask a person to be like, "May I kiss you?" And the fact that she responded saying that, "Oh my god, what am I doing here? I'm in the wrong story," is also really funny. <laughs> yeah,、uh, you didn't see the actor before, but I have seen him. He was also in、oh. something in the park with George. Was he really?、Yeah. Okay, okay. But you watched the, the original version, right? Okay. Yeah, you yeah. didn't watch that version. Maybe I should. Maybe <laughs> you should. <laughs>、um, yeah, I totally agree with you. I'm not like super、uh, decided on like whether or not she should have it. I could see falling either way.、Um, I am a little bit leaning towards her not having it after the entirety of the characterization that she had to go through. But I could see her also going through just because they they definitely made sure to carefully incorporate that into the story. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. 
apart from that, I think the only thing I want to talk about very, very quickly, I absolutely adored the costuming and set design. Very, mm-hmm. very creative, very well done. It's the same person who did the Sunday in the Park with George set design, which I also really liked. Mm. Um, so yeah, I agree with that. I think especially the transformations, transition, yeah. transformation, transformation thing. Sorry, I have a <laughs> um, of the witch. It was yes, absolutely incredible. Like it was, how did they even do that? It's so amazing. And she has like face prosthetics and stuff like that. Like the wig, okay, she has a massive amount of curls. So even that's questionable, but like really, really like impressive. Mm -hmm. So impressive. It's so well done. It's so smooth. And everything happened within just a couple of seconds. It was Mm -hmm. really, really mind blowing, I think. Yeah. 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 absolutely adore the costume and and, um the set design as well so 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 well done um the fact that the forest and everything like they literally make every details count like Mm -hmm. even in the beginning of act two for example you see um jack holding this big glasses thing and at first i didn't know what the heck he was carrying (laughs) until the female giant came through and just like oh i lost my glasses or somebody said that she lost her glasses and i'm like oh that's the glasses (laughs) that that she lost um and and it's just these little things that make the production really really worthy to watch i think Mm -hmm. so yeah i really really like it even rapunzel's hair yeah I always wonder how that was possible, you know, like climbing up up a, a tower yeah. with the hair. And the fact that she goes screaming in pain, like her ah sounds like painful. And I'm like, <laughs> yeah, that's a, that's about right. <laughs> yeah, I can imagine uh, how much that would hurt. Anybody with little siblings who used to like pull on their hair can also mm-hmm. probably imagine. Yeah. Um, not fun, <laughs> not fun. <laughs> so yeah i think i've said everything i wanted to say for this is there anything else you wanted to touch on or discuss so i actually want to ask your opinion on the ending you know how like in the ending when they sing like yes we learn our lessons and they're cinderella saying the last i wish mm-hmm. and then that's the end so what do you think that i wish uh was meaning towards like is that like a new set of cycle where everyone's might get greedy and then new cycles of the same thing that I have to experience or what do you think that's a great question knowing the characters I do think there will be another cycle Mm -hmm. what do you think I do feel like humans are just meant to repeat our mistakes over Mm -hmm. and over so I do feel like it is probably also talking about having another wish like after sometimes because you know how like sometimes maybe you learn a, a lesson you learn it hard mm-hmm. and you'll be like okay I'll never do this again but then after some time it could be a couple months a couple years or whatever but then there's always going to be temptation again and there's always going to be chances where you're going to make the same mistake again mm-hmm. so I think it's foreshadowing saying that it's a never-ending lessons that you have to co- constantly remind yourself not to fall into it not to go into the woods again yeah. so I think that's the message that I got from that ending but I just think it's interesting that how they choose to end the musical that way yeah for sure though just my own imagination I would love it if she started to make the wish and everybody recognized it is going to be a cycle so they all hurriedly like 
cover their mouth and their hands <laughs> oh, that would actually um, be hilarious yeah. yeah that would be so cute um a, a really nice way to end it but obviously leaving leaving it open-ended like you mentioned will give a lot more potential depth and potential continuation for the story so that would be nice 100 percent. i would love to see the way i just described you though <laughs> oh my god that's a great idea actually thank so you. brilliant <laughs> thank you oh my god you're making me blush <laughs> um do you want to introduce the next segment yes for this week's quiz we're going to do which character from into the woods are you and it's from buzzfeed our good old friend yes um pick one word you would use to describe yourself i think apart from like your favorite color and your favorite subject in school this is probably yeah. the most <laughs> used question um but the options are relaxed adventurous brave determined independent and hardworking. <gasps> relaxed determined pick one word your friends would use to describe Ooh. you indecisive loving fiery easygoing i think it's supposed to be fiery um easygoing troublesome powerful powerful okay powerful yeah you're very powerful thank you i have a powerful friend (laughs) (laughs) um i'll pick for you easygoing but ah okay you don't think so (laughs) <laughs> oh no 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 I was like thinking what I should go with uh free for you are we just gonna go with the powerful okay <laughs> I'm very curious I think that. I think <laughs> fury probably w- will be a good one I fiery think. fiery sorry I yes. think it's supposed to be fiery like that fiery. would make a lot more sense than fury in my opinion okay um Okay, well, so I guess easy going for you and fiery for me. Okay. Um, which of the following is most important to you? Riches, happiness, family, food, doing what's right. I can't just pick one. <gasps> I can't just pick one. Family. Pick an animal. Dog, cat, cow, wolf, bird. <laughs> I prefer people. <laughs> I feel like it has a good indication of who you're going to get. Yeah. Based on these options. Subtle. They're very subtle. Yeah, I'm gonna go with cat. Same. You'll have no money to buy groceries this week, so you steal, work hard to make the money, sell one of your most precious belongings, ask for for advice or help, use your powers of manipulation to get money, (laughs) go with the flow and hope for the best. How exactly are you gonna use your powers of manipulation to get money? They mean MLM scam. (laughs) Oh, (laughs) Oh, okay, okay. Uh, no, I'm gonna go with ask for advice for help. Same. Uh, pick a color. Oh, purple. there we go. Yeah, I know, right? <laughs> <laughs> Next one will be our favorite subject: purple, red, gold, green, white, blue. Wait, blue. Who is your biggest inspiration in your life? Parent, friend, grandparent, significant other, someone else, myself. Someone else. Someone else. Pick a quote. Nice is different than good. I'm not good. I'm not bad. I'm just right. I miss my kingdom up in the sky. I thought one was enough. It's not true. It takes two of us. No one is alone. <laughs> Moo. <laughs> Doesn't that remind you of uh, Friends? Marie's I knew song? you would say that. I was about to say Moo with me. Um, <laughs> yes, I appreciate it. If we're on the same length, wavelength. <laughs> yes. Yes. High five virtually. High five. Uh, <laughs> 
I'm going to pick nice is different than good. I'm not good. I'm not bad. I'm just right. Choose that suits you to so well, by the I way. Know. <laughs> <laughs> no. <laughs> so, so well. It's like a quote just for you, man. It is. That's why I relate to the witch. Um, <laughs> specifically for that quote. Choose an object, magic beans, a cape, a loaf of bread, corn yellow hair, some cute heels, cow. Bread. Yeah, yeah, bread. And lastly, pick another Sondheim musical. Gypsy, a funny thing happened on the way to the forum. Never even heard of that one. Company, anyone can whistle. Sweeney Todd, Sunday in the Park with George. Sweeney. Sunday. Who'd you get? I got the witch. <gasps> I'm so jealous. <laughs> Yay. I'm so happy. Uh, <laughs> so it reads, like the witch, you're strong, dependent, and mysterious. You're fiercely protective over those you love and are not afraid to speak your mind you're a natural born leader so lead on i'm definitely not a leader but okay <laughs> not gonna complain <laughs> uh i got the baker like the baker you have a sincere heart and always try to do what's best although you like to take matters into your own hands when there is a job to be done you understand that sometimes two is better than one Aww. okay, okay. Okay, I'm extremely jealous of you, Claire. I had to say that I was right. <laughs> can but, you take it? You can be the wish too. <laughs> thank you. But um, as I mentioned, there's no character that I don't like. So, and I like the baker uh, a lot. So I'm totally mm-hmm. okay with my fate. Mm-hmm. But before we close shop for today, do you want to go into our very final rankings? Yes, please. Drum roll, please. Um, I'm actually going to give it 8.5 bread. Okay, I'm going to give it 9.5 out of 10 beans. Beans. Okay, nice. I was going on with your theme. <laughs> the, food. <laughs> the food? Yeah. Exactly. We could have gone with corn as well if something else. Oh, the corn. Like, yeah. Or I guess the cow. No, I'm a vegetarian. I <laughs> oh, haven't mentioned true. that in a while. So I think you forgot, but I'm a vegetarian. Thank oh, we're you. going on the food. I mean, they're telling me food, just food you don't eat. No, no, cow is not food. Cow is our friend. <laughs> I um, there we go. Jack's best friend of me would do that to her. That is true. <laughs> well, I'm not Jack. Yeah, but you're, you're taking away his best friend. You would murder somebody's best friend? Aw, I do assume all cows are Jack's best friend. No, there's only one cow. Exactly, there was only one cow, and that cow was Jack's best friend. That's okay. Um, I'll just go with another. Sorry, I'm taking this way too serious, <laughs> and I should. <laughs> okay, sorry. I'll let you do your thing. Uh, okay. Yes, my thing. Mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> so I guess this is it for this episode of Into the Woods and of Pottery Podcast. If you want to discuss the specific musical, any musical we covered in the past, or you want to give us recommendations for musical or, God forbid, even plays, you can do all that and more through our social media at Podway Podcast on Instagram, Twitter, and Reddit. We are very, 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 very inactive on Twitter. Um, so mainly Instagram and Reddit. If you're not a social media person, neither are we really. Um, you can reach us at podwaypodcast at gmail.com. We will see you guys next week. And until then, bye!